0: Book of Ephesians in my church uh, there in Statesville. And I've been studying this week in that third chapter and a singing about God's grace, where Paul is, is taking off right there in that third chapter, and he's trying to describe, and he says, I want to pray. And then he has, and in great Pauline fashion, he he goes on, chases a holy rabbit for about 13 verses, and then he prays. But he he's just talking about the grace and the incalculable incalculable riches of God and His grace being the major part of those riches and you know I, I just you know you get gripped with God's grace uh, then it's uh, it's an amazing thing and Paul even made up a word there because when you start studying those verses uh, he's just so struck with the grace and the wonder. Of God's grace that He makes up a word to try to describe it, and because uh, it's the only place in the Greek, uh, in the Greek that you find that word, and and He and He uh, just gives it a whole wonderful meaning. But I want to I want us to look in Galatians five this morning. If you'll turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter five, and I'm, I'm going to look at verses sixteen to twenty six and talk about how so often and. You know, I'm, in preaching through Ephesians, it deals a lot with the church, and and I realize one of the thing about I've I have learned about being a pastor all these years is there's so many people they're established in their faith but they're stuck, and there's not a lot fresh and new uh, coming out of their lives, and and so I want to look at these verses, then I want to talk about that that being our thesis this morning. But in verse 16 of Galatians 5, but I say, walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident Envying one another. Father, thank you for your precious word. I pray this morning. Lord, would you just hide me behind the cross. And may Jesus be honored and glorified in every word, everything, every thought. And may it all be to your glory. Speak to us, Lord. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Now, if somebody, or if you went to class this morning, or if you were at church this past Sunday or you go to church this evening. And somebody would ask you, would you share your testimony with me? What would you tell them? What would it be? Would it be the same one you've told for the last 20 years? Or has God done something new in your life recently? Now, now think about that. Because I'm, I'm not saying that's bad. But God's purpose in saving us, saving sinners, it's not merely to keep us from going to hell, but to impart new blessings on our life, to develop our character, as he says in these verses, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And with that, our testimony ought to be fresh and new every day. As we are keeping step with the Spirit, keeping in step. Now, I believe God's intention... Simply through the reading of His Word and understanding of His Word is that salvation should our salvation should always be leading to service and growth every day that we're alive on this earth as a Christian individual. Now, there's an unfortunate reality in all of this, though, because and, and I think, as I said, I am preaching through Ephesians. I just finished Philippians, and I'm, I'm preaching now through Ephesians and. And and Ephesians opens your eyes even more so to the church because Paul talks a lot about the church and what is the church, who are we as Christian people, who are we as the church. And and I've come to realize that, that a really unfortunate reality is that some of the people that I've known for 30 years that I've been pastoring them, never come to full maturity after they're established in the faith, or they are not striving for full maturity. We'll, we'll not reach that the the ultimate and the fullness until we're face-to-face with Jesus in the, in the state of glorification. But I just believe that because of so many spiritual babies, if you would, and in, it, and in some ways I take it as an indictment against my leadership sometimes, Why are they still that way? You know, it's my role as a pastor to try to help people grow in their faith and to teach and help them to learn. But so many people just want to remain a baby. And and there are so many remaining spiritual babies that they can't help other people. Nor can they be fruitful in their service for the Savior because they need help themselves. And when i start putting expectations on people and they're still babies uh, it, it'd be like uh, now scott mentioned my grandchildren uh, briefly but i have four grandchildren and my granddaughter who uh, she has three brothers so she's in the midst of all that maleness in their home but she is the apple of my eye that big blue eyes sassy as they come and and uh, just just a wonderful part of our family and our life. We went for her fifth birthday party this past Saturday and, and I've watched her, you know, she's not a little toddler anymore. She's a little girl and the same with my grandson, you know, my three-year-old's chasing all the girls that were at her party with a frog and all that kind of thing. He, he has a pet frog that stays in a hole outside in the drain ditch and and he he goes, grabs that frog, and just starts chasing all the little girls. And but but I'm watching him grow. And then my my little one-year-old grandson be two here in another week and watching him talk and learn and want to do everything his brother said. Then my oldest grandson, who my wife just got to take to grand camp at Caraway. But watching them grow, uh but, you know, I can't go to them, and, you know, I can expect a little more out of them. Now, even my two-year-old, he'll, he'll carry a conversation on with you, with you now. But I've watched him grow and progress, and I've watched the others grow and pro- progress. I've watched our oldest grandson grow and progress. But, you know, I still can't expect of them what I would expect of an adult, uh, there has to be a growth process. And, and again, so, and I go back to that point, so many people in the church today are such spiritual babies, but they can't produce. They, they don't want to. They want to remain that way. There, there's an old farmer one time described his Christian experience. He says, well, I, I'm not much, making much progress, but I'm established. You ever had anybody say that? And one day... This old farmer was hauling some logs and his wagon wheels sank down to the axles in the mud and he just could not try as hard as he could get the wagon out of the mud. So he just defeated, he just sat down on top of the logs. And then uh, and he just kind of looking over his situation, which was pretty dismal. And, uh, and soon a neighbor who, who had always been uncomfortable with the farmer's worn out testimony he came and greeted him, he says, Well, Brother Jones, I see you're not making much progress, but you must be content, for you sure are well established in that mud. You know, as Christians, we may be established in our sanctification, but if we're stuck, we're not being very productive as Christians. And that's what Paul's trying to tell us in these verses in Galatians. And maybe maybe I'm talking to you, maybe I'm not, Maybe you're established, maybe you're stuck, maybe you're growing. But the acid test, I think, is to see how productive, what kind of fruit are you producing. Faith without works is dead. So what kind of faith are you growing? Are you you established, are you stuck, or are you producing? Now, one of the things, verses 16 to 21, Paul gives this long laundry list of evil things. And you might be asking the question, well, what causes a person as a Christian to get stuck and non productive? Well, Paul tells us right there. In, in these verses, he gives us a number of very good reasons why people get stuck, why Christian people get stuck. And he says, well, look at the evil things. Verse 16. Look at the evil things. I want you to, I want you to understand. And he says, let your walk and conversation be dominated by the spirit in verse 16. And don't let the desires of the lower side of your nature have their way. You know, we're all constantly battling the flesh nature as, as people of Christ. But you know, for Paul, it was essential that Christian freedom, we just celebrated the independence of our country, But it's essential that Christian freedom should not mean freedom to indulge and do and give in to the lower side of our human nature. But but it's the freedom to walk and to keep in step with the Spirit. And that's what Paul's saying here. Had a great discussion in class today. We're dealing with Gnosticism and why John was writing his letters to the church. Uh, And, you know, it's that whole thing. And we had some great discussion. In uh, understanding, you know how does that affect us and in the church today and that kind of thing. But look at this list. Look at this laundry list. Paul gives us a catalog, really, of evil things. He talks about fornication. He says sexual immorality. Now, considered, in, it was considered in Paul's day to be an ordinary working of life. It was going on then too. <laughs> Impurity. Uh, he talks about the word that he uses here in the Greek is akatharisia. It denotes pus of an unclean wound, a tree that's never been pruned, or material that's not been sifted through. And, and, and he, says, he said it's that kind of stuff, that kind of infection that makes us unfit to come before God. It's, it's the, the idea of impurity. It's the soiling of our life with things that separate us from God. We soil our life. We, we let the world infect us in that way. He talks about, and in the King James, he says, want, on, want onness. I've never been able to say that very well, but that's, that's just a readiness for any pleasure. A, a man or a woman who is so far gone in their desire, they, they, they cease to care what people say or think. Kind of kind of a common thing today, isn't it? People say, I don't care what you think. You ever been out trying to talk to somebody or trying to share your faith or talking to somebody about Christ and, and you, you're trying to share the gospel with them and they'll just look at you and say, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you have to say. Well, people get so caught up in their own wantonness that they don't care what people or what you or what the Bible or anything else has to say or what to think. He talks about idolatry, that's the worship of anything besides God, man made gods. Witchcraft, literally, it talks about the use of drugs uh, and and those things that enhance, you know, the drugs and alcohol, anything that causes us to lose control in that sense. Uh, Enmity, that's hostility, the exact opposite of Christian love. He talks about strife here, quarrels and rivalries within, in, within the church. He's talking about jealousy. Jealousy is having a wrong desire for something that is not ours, not that we, we have not obtained. An uncontrolled temper, fits of rage, uh, self seeking. You, you're wanting something for what you can get out of it. Uh, so you see how the list keeps going. Dissension where a person, people fly apart rather than coming together, uh, heretical divisions. You know, the tragedy of life, folks, is that people who hold different views, especially in this day and time, very often finish up by disliking not each other's views, but disliking each other. You know, the fact is it, it should be possible to differ with somebody and yet remain their friend. But today, if you, if, you don't, if you don't think like me, if you don't act like me, if you don't believe like me, well, I don't like you. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's the thing of politics today, especially. Envy. Did you know envy has been described as the greatest disease among men? And the quality, not so much of the jealous, but rather is what jealousy does to us. It embitters our minds. You know, if, if, I, if I look at you and there's something I'm jealous of you about, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've tried to think about those things and times in my life, people or situations that I'm jealous of. And you know what? Usually most every time I end up, it, it, it embitters me. It, it just causes me to look at somebody and almost hate them, you know, or, or look at a situation and just hate it because I'm envious, you know, because it, it comes back to my pride. Because, well, that didn't happen to me. You know, it's, it's not something that, uh, you know, I, got, I get looked over, but yeah, you get this. You know, so I, I get envious. It talks about drunkenness. It turns a man into a beast. Uh, and carousing, this just unrestrained revelry. It talks about those things. So he's given us this list, and he says, well, you want to know why you get stuck? Well, these things are going to cause you to get stuck. And uh, or cause you to get us, you're you established but you're stuck, you're not growing, you're not learning. And, and and if you start getting into the root meanings of these words uh, that he's given us in this list, you're going to see life hasn't changed very much from the time Paul wrote these words, has it? It's, it's still very much. And, and, and too many Christians, listen, too many Christians let one, some, or many of these things influence their lives and when that happens, we get stuck. So if you're stuck today and your testimony isn't fresh, it isn't new, and, and there's, you can't point to something God's worked through you and, and helped you to be able to do in the last little bit, you're stuck. And then Paul says, and if that's the case, start looking at these things. And, and I don't believe by any means this is an exhaustive list either. But it is a good laundry list of what he's trying to tell us. But then, I I love that Paul turns around in verses 22 to 26 and he talks about the lovely things. He says, all right, if you're stuck, I want to tell you now how you can get unstuck. I I love that about his writings. and, And he says, let the fruit of the Spirit dominate your life. Let these things dominate your life. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Let those things control your life. The lovely things. He uses the word love. You know, in, in the Greek, there are four uses of the word love. There's heros. That's not in the New Testament. You don't see it. But then there's philia, storge, and agape. Now, agape, we know, is God's kind of love, an unconquerable love, Uh Endless love, and and a love that always seeks the highest good of others. Uh, you know, isn't that what God does for us through His agape love? It's the highest thing, and He's always seeking our highest good. Amen. I, I hope that's that's how we see it. Joy. He says joy. Uh, we're found that foundation of joy is only God. I cannot find joy in any of these things over here on this list. I can't find joy anyway. I can't muster it up in myself. Joy is something God brings to my life. And because I strive to be obedient or, or strive to love, then he brings joy that comes with that. He talks about peace. You know, the peace he's talking about here is not just freedom from trouble. It's everything that makes for the highest good of God's creation. Long-suffering. You know what long-suffering It's a conquering patience. <clears throat> now, I've never been known, uh, and you can talk to my family, you can talk to my wife or my children. I, I've never been a, a person with conquering patience in that sense. But it's, it's used in the New Testament here, that idea of patience as God's attitude toward men. Aren't you glad God's patient with us? I sure am. (laughs) I'm so glad he's patient with me and has been for all these years. And that that God will continue to be patient with me. It's a conquering kind of patience. He talks about gentleness and goodness. At the same time, it, it helps you to be kind and strong. He talks about faith. God is reliable. Amen? God will not let us down. God... Is reliable. It's talking about faith. When he talks about faith, it means he is reliable, you can trust him, and that that faith is reliability. It talks about meekness, means being teachable, uh, self-control. And and only Christ can give us that through keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, that idea of meekness. Uh, In preparation for this week's message in Ephesians 3, Paul says is talking about, you know, the name Paul, means it means little in stature and all of that. So it's, it, it really, Paul is saying, I'm just small Paul. I'm just small Paul. God is great. And, and in that, he, he's talking about the meekness that God gives, and it's the self-control. But then temperance, the, you know, the Holy Spirit, with, or the Spirit that has mastered its desires and its love of pleasure... That's what he talks about, having temperance. And and it was Paul's belief and experience that the Christian died with Christ and rose again, he says, to a new life, rose again to a new clean life in which these evil things of life, this other list of things, has, uh, has gone away and the things of the Spirit come to fruition, love and joy and peace and all those things. And it's not anything we can do on our own. It's what God does in and through us and for us. Now, so hopefully in understanding that, when you give a testimony, let me ask you a question. Do you have anything fresh to say? or Are you always trying to dig up the old experience? Look, I'm I'm, I'm thankful I can share a testimony, and there's nothing wrong with that about when God saved me. That's been a long time ago. I was 16 years old when that happened. I'm, I'm almost 62 now, you know, and, and if God hadn't done anything in my life between then, <laughs> you know, whoa, I'm, I mean, I better, I better do some examination, but that I could stand today and say, you know, yesterday or the day before or sharing with you about seeing my grandchildren, that was a spiritual experience for me. And God did some great things uh, and through my family and, and, and other things that are my church family. You know, this past break was tough. I, I did three funerals in one week uh, and those kind of things. Very busy, very draining. But, you know, through it all, I could come out on the other end of it and say, God, thank you for great joy and thank you for the opportunity to, to kind of get back in a routine and, and looking forward to coming back here and being able to teach and do those things. But, but instead of being established but stuck, we need to ask God this morning to help us get going and growing for Him. Amen. I mean, that's that's all we can do every day. Second uh, Peter three eighteen says, "Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior." Now, He's still saying we got to keep growing. You got to keep learning. You got to keep uh, understanding. Sanctification is kind of like riding a bicycle. Either you keep moving on a bicycle, or you're gonna fall down. Right. You know, uh, you, you got to keep moving. It, it ain't gonna just sit there and hold you, you know, unless you got a training wheels on it. But uh, it, it's it's gonna it's, it's gonna stop or fall over. So I, I love as that old hymn says, "I'm pushing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, plant my feet." on higher ground. Father, that's our prayer today. Plant our feet on higher ground. Help us not to be established but stuck. God help us to be striving to grow every day in our in our faith and in our walk with you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and thank you for your love in our lives. Thank you for this place called Fruitland Baptist Bible College. And thank you, Father, for each student, for the faculty and staff and and, uh, and Lord, just thank you for loving us so much and putting us in this place at this point, at this time, for such a time as this. And we pray and ask that you would give us wisdom and guidance, help us be with each of these students as they are starting back classes this week. And Father, just help them and direct them and guide them and be with each of our teachers and our president and vice president and the staff. And Lord, just... just Help them to know and feel your comfort and strength. And, Lord, help us, every one of us, to continue to grow in you. And then someday, Lord, when we reach that place of reward, we'll be able to look into your face and say, thank you. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Lord, that you were there with me every day. And, Lord, now I can enter into your rest. Help us. Lead us and guide us, and we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory. And it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.